There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America and it's Wonderful to be back with you again for uh, yet another week. Uh, We're going to talk about another really, really important topic with an amazing guest today. We're going to talk about a hero's journey to vulnerability. And within that, with Tom Eddington, and we're going to be talking lots about conscious leadership, which I know you know that conscious leadership and engaging leadership are real, real passions of mine. So I'm excited to have another conversation about this today. And hopefully um, for you to learn lots of thoughts and ideas that you can take back into your businesses and into your lives to help elevate the performance of them. So I want to say a big thank you, of course, to my guest last week. We had Penny Haslam on the show. That's H-A-S-L-A-M. And Penny was a brilliant guest. She's a former a newsreader from the, the BBC and done lots of TV programs and uh, and lots of uh, BBC interviews and things like that. And she's a real expert on on helping her clients to become just a little bit famous. You know, whether you feel inspired to do that um, or or not, um, you know, her the value of doing that is that if you people know you, uh, then they're going to come to you if they know you and like you. And therefore, we talked about some of the areas that you could get involved in that could help you to elevate yourself and become just a little bit famous, such that your business really flows with much more ease and success. So I thought that was a great conversation last week, and the feedback suggested that as well. Um, Penny was an amazing guest, really clear, lots of thoughts, lots of ideas. So if you're interested in becoming just a little bit famous, um, go back and have a listen to that recording. So let's talk about about um, this journey to vulnerability and I think that vulnerability is just a quality that is so so important for thriving healthy organizations for people to be more open more honest and and more giving of themselves and I therefore love this subject and my guest Tom Eddington has worked for three decades in business he's been a consultant an educator entrepreneur strategic advisor He's a student and teacher of board leadership and organizational effectiveness. Um, and he really focused on how companies grow and achieve and sustain effectiveness uh, while remaining stewards for their stakeholders. He's, um, he was a partner in a highly, highly respected global consultancy. He led major international mergers, was earning a seven-figure income. He was at the top of his game and then an illness left him unable to work for a number of years. Um, he's then... Um, with his intellectual um, curiosity, he saw opportunities to teach and work in private, public, academic, and nonprofit sectors. He's worked for some amazing organisations like HP, WL Gore, MBA, uh, Royal Dutch Shell. Uh, he's worked with board members, senior executives in hundreds of organisations. In addition, he's been an adjunct professor in the City of University that's in London on their MBA programme. And he's founded and co-founded four organizations, Future Shapers, My Broker Donates, and uh, includes also Eddington Advisory Services. So a huge welcome to my guest today, Tom Eddington. 
Well, thank you, Chris. It's uh, absolutely wonderful to be with you today. Thank you for having me on the show. You're lovely. And just be interesting to know for people, where are you uh, talking to us from at the moment? Uh, I'm calling you from uh, a very snowy Taos, New Mexico. Ah, so and you've you got some pretty beautiful mountains and things to look out on at the moment, I, I believe. Yeah, it's absolutely spectacular here, especially on a day like today where we got uh, about six or seven inches of snow last night. Wow. Wow. We're, we're just dreaming of a bit of bit of whiteness here because we're just getting warm temperatures in the UK at the minute, particularly in the particularly in England. I think it's probably just about double figures here, which is not not um, usual for January. Um, so tell us, tell us, uh, Tom, you know, you this 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 sort of conversation about vulnerability, you know, what um, you know, where did you kind of you know, discover your sort of vulnerability and um, uh, and you know, why do you think it's essential that we uh, uh, that we kind of connect with it? Just interested to just explore that, and I want to find out a bit more about you and where it all came from. Sure, yeah, happy to happy to share. So, um, as, as you mentioned in your in your very generous and kind introduction, I've I've had a chance to work with hundreds and hundreds of leaders uh, all over the world in various industries, various organization sizes. And, um, you know, a, a leader, particularly a CEO, has lots of responsibilities, but one of the, the fundamental responsibilities they have is, is around organization culture and specifically around uh, creating a safe working environment where people can show up as, as their full self, as their best self. And creating that safety and trust and trusting environment um, starts with the, the CEO and how they're showing up. And uh, it, it, in my experience, when a, a CEO can be appropriately vulnerable, it makes it safe for other people to be vulnerable. And in that exchange, uh, it, it generates and, and, and creates a, a trusting environment. And with that trust, People can move from a, a place of fear um, uh, and, and show up as their their highest and best selves. Be creative, be innovative. You you can't you can't create from a place of fear. And the world certainly today needs business businesses and individuals in those businesses to be creative and innovative. Yeah, doesn't it? That's a really great frame for the conversation. Actually, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about just going kind of going back and we'll move. You know, back into this this conversation. Um, tell us a bit about your childhood, and you know, I'm kind of intrigued. You know, what inspired you to end up, um, you know, becoming an expert in leading some huge mergers and acquisitions? And I know you also worked in the UK. What, what, what? Where did that come from? Um, I, I would say from a from a couple of different perspectives. So, um, for me, I've I've always been intellectually curious. I've I've always liked to to learn. And I, I, I read a book called The Passions of the Mind when I was in a psychology course when I was in, uh, in secondary school. And um, it really got me curious about, um, about human psychology, how, how we all operate, how we function. So I, I set off for university with a, uh, a clear path. I was going to study psychology. I was going to enroll in a pre-medicine program, uh, finish undergraduate uh, 
school, go on to get my um, medical degree, and then go on to psychiatric school and become a psychiatrist. And that, that was the path I was, I was on. And uh, after two years of, of pre-medicine and a couple of years of psychology, I, um, the, the practical side of me stepped in. And I realized I was already in debt. And I still had another uh, eight years of, of education to go that was going to result in significantly more, more debt. So I, I dropped the pre-medicine program. I continued with psychology. I picked up a business degree and, and set off into the business world. And yet I, I still held on to my curiosity around humans, human behavior, um, and my, my career has always been a, a marriage of that business and, and psychology. I got my a graduate degree in uh, organization dynamics and have always liked that, that interplay of the individual and the organization. Hmm. Um, what, did you, what did you learn from these, these large international mergers? Maybe you should just tell us a bit about the scope of some of these too. And um, yeah, what, what did you learn from them? Sure. So um, when I was living in the UK, uh, Royal Bank of Scotland acquired NatWest. It was one of the very few examples in the world of a, a, essentially a minnow swallowing a whale. Uh, RBS had about 30,000 employees at the time. NatWest had about 100,000. So you can appreciate the dynamic of uh, a smaller, particularly the, you know, the, the national cultural differences, the, the Scottish pride and uh, acquiring a, a much larger organization. So Helping, helping those businesses integrate and ensure that they were successful post-acquisition. Uh, post um, I, I worked with um, Royal Dutch Shell as they moved from a country-focused business operating at the country level on a P&L basis to a global organization because of shifts in, the, in what was happening in the exploration and petroleum and in and, and general in the petroleum industry. I worked with... Uh, Hewlett Packard, when they acquired Compaq and third, you know, did the post-merger integration with 185 people on my team, uh, integrating um, Compaq into HP, and I worked with Chevron when they acquired Texaco and, and doing all the post-merger integration work. And if we look at, at particularly mergers and acquisitions, 60% of the, uh, the 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 acquisitions fail. And it's it's typically because there's not the upfront work to really clarify why are we making this acquisition? Is it to get us access to customers, new markets? Is it uh, around financial efficiency? Is it access to innovation? Is it access to talent? And uh, oftentimes that level of, of uh, assessment isn't done up front to really understand the strategic motivation for the acquisition. And so as a result, uh, that kind of thinking, that kind of planning doesn't go into it. And uh, the deals end up failing post uh, post integration mm. and you, you and you you were you were involved with these very large um, organizations and um but, but you got to a, you got to a point and you're earning a lot of money and you uh, you spent a number of years working in the united kingdom um but i'm kind of interested something happened to you didn't it which was a real kind of pivotal you know pivotal exp life experience that changed your trajectory uh, yeah completely i uh you know up, up until up until uh, 2002, uh, 2004, my, my focus was on advancement. My focus was on, um, on 
material acquisition. My my focus was on uh, what I call the shadow side of ego. It was all about uh, how our, our, particularly here in the U.S., but I think in, in general in, in the West, um, what what is defined as success. And so for me, it was about status. It was about title. It was about my bank account. It was about uh, bragging rights for you know deals I did, and that's that's how I was living my life. And then I, I became profoundly ill. I, I contracted a bacterial infection that left my blood system, went into my brain. I had uh, bacterial meningitis and um, essentially was it, well, I, I was attached to an IV pole for, for 18 months and, and bedridden for better part of four years. Oh, and it was during that uh, health crisis that I, I really had to take a step back because, you know, initially I thought, well, I lost my health. And then, you know, the quickly in losing my health, I also lost my income. I lost my ability to work. And it took me a while to figure it out, but I realized I lost my identity. And when I came to the realization that the identity I had um, wasn't serving me, I, it, it put me on a journey. So I spent uh, a number of years as I was bedridden, just thinking about my life, thinking about what matters, what was important. If I was going to live, and I, I, I still sometimes wonder how it is I, I survived, um, I, I changed my philosophy on what really matters, what's important, why, uh, why I do the things I do, and what was it I wanted to do in whatever time I had left on this planet. My, my word, I mean, it's actually, if, if you're being down for that period of time, it is quite incredible that you have... Uh, you managed to rebuild in the way that you have. Um, and it, was it was some of that mind over matter? What? Um, it, it was a combination of things. So, I mean, there, there was just a, a pragmatic side. I had a wife. I had two young children that were relying, depending on me. Um, part of it was uh, a, essentially a reframing of what it what it means to be human. So, I I was an athlete in high school and college. I uh, I, I ran uh, cross country and track, and um, so I, I had a um, a mental model of what it means to be human. So I, I thought of myself as this um, brain, which my clients, my firm, valued, and um, this body was just a carriage to to transport my brain around. And 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 through my illness, I realized that I also had a spiritual body. Uh, a psychological, emotional body, a, a, an energetic body, and a social body. And four of my five bodies were uh, significantly underdeveloped or undeveloped completely. And I, I had to acknowledge the way I saw the world um, wasn't appropriate and how I was being in it. And as I started putting more emphasis on those other four bodies, I started getting healthy. I started getting well. So it, so- it sounds like low, uh, horrendous experience for you and your, your family at the time that there was some you know there was a, some silver lining in that experience yeah I I, I mean it, it's a bit morbid but I, I laugh about the experience I went through because during that that crisis my my daughter was ill my wife was ill and ended up passing away my mother died oh. uh, I, I I I um, I I in that period of about um, six or eight years, I experienced essentially everything that, that um, 
somebody can experience in their lifetime. And I, I look back on it now as an incredible gift to be given all of these opportunities to learn and grow um, and to, to experience what, what it means to, uh, to live a life. Well, we're gonna, we'll come back um, after the break uh, and chat a little bit more, well, more about this, but actually you know, what, you've, what you learned on your reflections and, and obviously this took you into thinking around the way maybe you, you'd worked and organizations work and you, know, you became, at this period became more conscious about these things. Before we go to the commercial break, though, I need to say you know, a thank you. We have um, a sponsor for the show, which uh, is FreshBooks, who I'm very grateful to. And there's a, um, quite a bit of it, a lot of investment has gone into the show over the years, and it's lovely to uh, have a little bit of support with, with some of that. And also, um, I'll only um, involve people who've got great products and great services. So um, I don't know if you know, but 24 million Americans, more than the population of Florida, um, have identified in a survey that they want to work for themselves by 2021. But sadly, 35% of them cite inconsistent income as one of the biggest things holding them back. So if money's a big deterrent, um, would getting paid twice as fast help you make the leap? So I wonder if you've heard of um, FreshBooks. It's a cloud-based um, accounting software that um, basically allows you um, and does the invoicing for you. And on top of that, it gets you paid twice as quick. And yes, it's really easy to use because it's made for entrepreneurs like you, like, like us. Uh, FreshBooks lets you create and send invoices automatically, accept credit cards and ACH payments, write and invoices, automate pay, to make payments for recurring invoices and automate invoice payment reminders. Now, overall, FreshBooks helps you face big challenges like getting paid so you can focus on growing your business, which is really important, which is what we're all about on the, the Business Elevation Show. Um, my listeners, um, you have the opportunity um, to have a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks right now. No credit card is required, which I think is uh, is great and authentic. Go to freshbooks.com slash elevation and enter the Business Elevation Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's freshbooks.com slash elevation and enter the Business Elevation Show in that, that sort of section. That would be great. Um, so... Uh, we're going to be come back after the break. We're going to talk more about uh, about Tom's hero's journey, but all the lessons and things that he's learned about um, a lot of them about um, becoming more conscious and uh, utilizing our vulnerability to be, become uh, more more successful. Because this is a, a really important subject today. Back again with you in just a couple of minutes. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America 
is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Tom Eddington. We're talking about a hero's journey to vulnerability. And Tom shared with us a, a little bit before the break around him having worked with these um, these huge organisations, being very very focused on uh, on um, growing um, his corporate success and uh, and his his bank balance. And then he had this uh, bacterial meningitis. Uh, issue which impacted him for four years and other other family issues the loss of his wife it uh, must have been really really difficult and I I, I wonder and you've, you've bounced back incredibly and, and I wonder Tom you know from your experience you know what's your perspective now on maybe life and and health and and these sort of co- these sort of big corporate jobs how do you how do you balance things effectively and inter- yeah thank, thank you Chris it's a it's a good question um so for me, when I when I was able to return to some semblance of health, and it, it wasn't immediate, um, back in, in 2008, I started getting requests to, uh, to, to do some work. And I was only able to work about five hours a week at that time. And the, re- the requests were coming in over a six-month period, and I had to take a step back because I, I was so fortunate to have survived. And um, so I, I, I just took a big step back and said, all right, I, I'm fortunate to still be alive. What, what do I want to do with whatever time I have left? And for me, I, I developed a, a set of criteria. The first was that I only wanted to be doing things that made the world a better place. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work with leaders who I admired, I respected, I trusted, I, I wanted to be with. And I wanted to put myself in a position where I could both teach and learn. And using those three criteria, that became my, my touchstone for any decisions I made about what I, what I engaged in. And I, I continue to return to those three criteria when I'm assessing any opportunity that's presented itself to me. And as a result, you know, we, we hear this conversation around work-life balance that came out of the last 20 years with technology invading our lives, making it possible for people to be available for work 24-7. And for me, um, 
I, I stopped using this this term work life balance, and I I just accept that we just have our life that we're living, and we're constantly making choices about how we're spending our time. And I stopped using the the term busy um, because I'm not busy. I'm, I'm my life is very full, and I don't think of the things that I do as work. Um, they're things that are making a difference in the world. They're things that are enriching and fulfilling for me. And while my life, by most people people's assessment, I've got a very full life. They often accuse me of being busy, but I'm just doing things that are, I find very enriching, very rewarding. And uh, with the CEOs that I coach, I encourage them to adopt the same philosophy of they've chosen the path that they're on. It is their life. And if they can let go of this notion of work-life balance and just accept that it's, it's a choice they made, they have full agency over how they're spending their time, um, it, it shifts their, their stress level. It shifts how they feel about the life they're living. Do you, do you uh, I like that idea, you know, the, the thought you've got a, a, full, a full life. And I think you're – I like the, the – the, you know, the principles, the frames that you you put on your life, it feels like you're much more kind of purpose driven, as well, um, through that. That you're more you're more considering uh, or considering the, the the value and the contribution, um, which I think is I think is really really important to uh, to be able to do that. And because because so I, I I coach a lot of senior people like um, like you do as well, and and often people just find themselves in on a trajectory, don't they? They they, they find themselves getting promoted and it's the next promotion and the next promotion and then they find themselves in a in a, in a huge job at some point in time and but actually then wonder why why, why they why they ended up there because it's because they yes. haven't started with the end in mind at all yep yeah ab- absolutely that's been my my experience with the executives i've i've worked with and coached over the last dozen years and what do you think um from, from your experience of of, of, of conscious leaders and what what do you think are the main skills that you've identified when uh, you know when a leader is really really behaving consciously because um, you explained early on in the interview about you know, by doing that there's a huge ripple effect yeah there, there are several pieces so one one of the foundational pieces around being a conscious leader from my experience is is self-awareness understanding who I am how I'm showing up in the world how I'm impacting those around me and taking full responsibility for the impact that I'm having. Um, that's a that's a foundational fundamental piece. Um, beyond the self-awareness, it's uh, taking full responsibility for creating a safe, trusting environment for the the people working in the organization and, and reporting or working working for me. And then uh, thinking systemically, so not just about the bottom line, the, the financials of the organization. Of course, that's important. It's fundamental. But thinking about the, the people who are in your care as a leader, the people working in the organization, the supply chain, the customers, the environment that you're working in, the community that you operate in, as well as the, the natural environment, all of those are essential pieces of being a conscious leader. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's... Uh... That's that's great. I mean, how um, you, you talk about systemically there, <clears throat> and systemically, it, it is um, it's become quite a buzz phrase in in some respects, isn't it? Systemic, systemic thinking. Um, 
for you is that is that as you've articulating is that just understanding the, the the different components that you have an influence over, or do you have another definition of systemic? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting you ask that question. I mean, I, I grew up on a small family farm. I spent most of my childhood in nature, and so it's just it's natural for me. Um, you know, nature is is <laughs> is very systemic. It, it uh, it's an incredible template for what does it mean to be a systems thinker. And so for me, it's just how I'm oriented. Um, but when I, you know, when I take a step back, it's, it's recognizing all of the stakeholders that, that you're impacting uh, as a leader when you're running your business and thinking about what's in the interest of all of the stakeholders, this old notion of, you know, having to beat your suppliers down or, taking advantage of the, the people working in the organization. Uh, all of those things are counter to creating a healthy working environment, a healthy ecosystem in which you're trying to operate your business. Yeah, yeah. Conscious leadership, um, in, in our sort of discussion, you've, you, 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 know, you, um, you help leaders develop the connection between their IQ, emotion, intelligence, and body intelligence. And I'm kind of intrigued how that how that you know how that works from your perspective yeah it's it, oftentimes i'm i'm having to uh to help the leaders that i work with completely frame or flip their frame of of how they lead <clears throat> so we all have our our body intelligence our our bq as i call it our you know we, we use the term uh or the phrase uh, uh, my my instinct my intuition my gut telling me, and, and we know anatomically that the vagus nerve runs from the brain down to the gut, and there are you know, the equivalent of brain cells in our gut, and that's the, the first place where we get insight into what's going on, and then we've got the, the, the brain in, the, in our skull that uh, is, a, is a significant processor, and so I encourage my uh, clients to start with what is their gut telling them? What's their intuition? What's their instinct? And then run it up to their brain for analysis and integrate those two brains in the heart and and then come from an emotional intelligence perspective. And so if I can get my leaders uh, to, to shift from operating just from their brain to integrating their emotional intelligence through their heart and their instinct or their body intelligence through their gut, they become a much more highly effective leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 um, heart and heart and head is uh, getting getting that right. With, as you say, with the um, and linking that together, it's very important to get for people to get it, <clears throat> get more in touch, isn't it, with the uh, you know with the heart and and their humanness rather than just the, the practicality of leadership. Yes. Now you define, when we, we, we mentioned about the, the important skills, you talked about self-awareness as being the kind of fundamental. And I wonder how do, how do leaders become more effective about that? How do they really become much more aware of their behavior? Um, it's it's through a combination of things. So in the you know the last twenty years, in, in most corporate settings, we're seeing more and more uh, use of things like the three sixty assessment tools, where you're getting input from your subordinates, your peers, and your superiors to give you insight into how people are experiencing you. That's a that's an effective tool, but it's not enough. It's uh, it also um, I encourage my clients to develop a contemplative practice. 
whether it's meditation or walk in the woods or prayer, doesn't matter, but really going in and understanding who they are, um, you know, as a, as a, as a human being, we in the in utero during the birthing process in the first couple of years of our life, we essentially code our operating system and spend the rest of our life operating on a, a set of software that was developed by an 18-month-old. And we and, and unless we do our work to really understand what drove us to do the coding, and if we don't upgrade that system or replace it, um, then we're just reacting to to stimuli to what's happening in our environment that is getting triggered from things that happen to us at a very early age. And so part of that developing that self-awareness is to do that inner work to really understand what do I believe and why do I believe it? Mm. And oftentimes those beliefs are based on things that happen very early in our development. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, um, uh, that I, I always recommend to my my clients journaling and to to be regularly doing that, regularly asking them questions and thinking about themselves, and that um, can be very contemplative. Um, sometimes with meditation too, and, and I certainly notice when I'm I'm practicing that discipline that I'm much more effective than when I don't. It, uh, it has a remarkable impact, actually. Uh, it really does. I mean, we we all are. Um, <clears throat> getting information, whether it's through our sight or our hearing or um, um, our proprioceptor sense, we're, we're constantly getting information that gets filtered through the amygdala, the prefront or the, uh, the reptilian brain. And that brain is constantly keeping us in fight, flight, or freeze mode. And so if we, if we haven't expanded our window of presence, if we haven't expanded how we're, we're operating in the world, then we can find ourselves in fight, flight, or freeze mode. And, and from that place, it's fear-based, and it's, it's all about survival instincts. And um, having that self-awareness allows us to get out of the, the reptilian brain, the amygdala, and operate from a place of our prefrontal cortex, the human brain. Mm. Mm. I'm intrigued that you were talking about 360-degree feedback for self-awareness. And my experience of this... <clears throat> has been because I do I do with my clients I do um, use a profiling system that I helps to understand where people are naturally in their flow and not in their work and use it really extensively I think probably we sat down with 800 different people with this system and and help companies to develop and grow etc with it but what, I've, what I've noticed is that where where there's been 360 degree feedback is often I can uh, and people can become quite um, struggle with some of that feedback because um, uh, the individuals who fill it out so basically often are suggesting that person should be more like them so I can usually usually see and classify the the style of the person who gave the feedback in these reports and it can lead um, uh, for, I found uh, for an individual who's getting receiving that feedback to confusion because rather than enabling them to be the best versions of themselves they're taking on feedback from a whole range of different styles of people who may not be like them. Does that make se- make sense? I just wonder if you've got a perspective on that. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I witnessed something very similar, and I also see that um, it's very temporal. So somebody will give uh, an individual feedback based on their 
encounters with them in the last week or last month or last defined period of time, as opposed to a, a longer assessment and a, a more accurate, truer assessment of, of the individual and how they're showing up, how people are experiencing them. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it's, uh, it, you've got to think about a system like that carefully because I've, I've dealt with a few people who've been in a right mess when they've had that feedback um, and felt felt quite wrong, wronged in some ways. Um, yes. We've just got a couple of minutes um, left before we go to commercial break. And I just wonder how, you know, practicing some of these skills, um, how have you found that it's maybe, you know, led to executives becoming more healthier, for example? Oh, absolutely. It, 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 it can and will shift their life. Um, they end up having uh, you know, an easier time sleeping at night. They have an easier time with their stress level. They become more productive. They, you know, through that self-awareness, through the, the various practices, they, um, they, they show up in a very different way and their organizations will, uh, will be more successful as well. It's, it's quite remarkable, quite profound. Well, we're going to go to commercial break. I've, I've enjoyed the, the conversation, as I always do, with, on this subject. And after the break, we'll talk a, a little bit about um, you know, sort of gender issues and how conscious leadership can help with those. And, um, and you know, a bit like how organizations are, you know, kind of living entities and how we need to, um, you know, the advice that we need for leaders to be able to really bring the best out in their team. So we're going to do that in just a couple of minutes. So do join us after the break. the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the achiever program one-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, Tom Eddington. We're talking about a hero's journey to vulnerability, and we talked um, quite a lot as well, obviously, about conscious leadership within that. And I just want to go back to your your hero's journey, Tom, which I 
you know, mindful that it must have been very challenging for you to you know, to be this super superheroes out there merging and these organisations and operating a very big level, you know, earning a very high income, and then you found yourself getting ill and you spent four years ill. You mentioned your daughter had been ill, and very sadly you lost your wife, and you've had to kind of rebuild. I just, I, I just can't help thinking you must have some incredible insight for us on in how to deal with loss because we we all experience it in in um, our working lives at some point um, it's never it's never always plain sailing there's always going to be um, you know challenges and I just wondered what your your thoughts are and and ideas that can maybe help others who are going through challenges whatever that be whether it's loss of their health or or, or somebody physically yeah, thank you for that, Chris. Uh, happy to share, and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to blend a couple of things together. So, as I was as I was going through my experience of, of being very ill and trying to figure out what, how was I going to get well, um, how was I going to show up in the world when I could reengage again, uh, what did I want to do with the rest of my life, and, and part of that required me to really go in deep and understand who I was, and so. I had a, a I, I had a, a way of being in in the business setting that was you know reinforced by our our culture, reinforced by my organizational culture and my beliefs. And so, you know, my my belief was that I was supposed to just be the stoic. I was supposed to be. Um, uh, anything but vulnerable. It wasn't appropriate to to show emotion or anything else, and that that's how I had been trained in business. And so, as I was going in uh, on my journey to understand uh, why was I being that way, I, I had to really go deep and realize that shortly after I was born, I had been hospitalized with pneumonia and spent several weeks without any human contact, without any any human touch. And so, you know, at a very early age, I learned that the world wasn't safe. And then um, when I was a, a, a child, my, my father made a decision to move the family. And we spent, um, we spent eight years living in a tent uh, out in the middle of nowhere uh, without running water, without electricity, without telephones, all of those sorts of things. And so, you know, it was embarrassing to go to school. It was, it was difficult to not be like other kids, which reinforced that the world wasn't safe, that it wasn't appropriate to be vulnerable. And then when I got sick, I, 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 I wasn't able to take care of myself. I wasn't able to function. I had uh, nurses coming to the house every week. And I, I had to shift how I, how I saw the world, how I engaged the world. And so, for me, that was a, a real insight into vulnerability. And, and when I allowed myself to be vulnerable, I, I noticed that people treated me differently. They engaged with me in a very different way. And, you know, during that, that time period of being very ill and almost dying, it's, it's similar to when we're, you know, thinking about buying something. Um, let's say it's, it's buying a car and you're thinking about a certain model and a certain color and all of a sudden, as you're driving down the road, you keep seeing that same car, that same color over and over and over again. And because I was preoccupied with death, I just I noticed all of the people in my life who were who were um, who were dying and, and passing away. 
And so I, I just went through a, a significant period of time where I, I really uh, went very deep in understanding grief and understanding loss and my relationship with, with loss and my relationship with grief. And um, it just it took me uh, in a, to a very deep place in under, understanding grief and understanding loss, on understanding vulnerability, and so many dimensions of what it means to be a human being. Whoa! And 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 and, and, and you know, on top of all of that, you you lost your wife. I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know how how do you how do you process that, and how do you how do you get yourself back on your feet after that? I mean, um, I, 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 I can't fully uh, appreciate and, under, and understand, but I, I had made a decision that, you know, I, I needed to develop all five dimensions of what it means to be human. So when I started exploring spirituality in my spiritual being, I, I had some remarkable experiences. I had a, 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 a Tibetan Rinpoche show up in my life, and I, I wasn't Buddhist, and I didn't know what a Rinpoche was, and I didn't understand, but he showed up in my life, and I started studying uh, Buddhism, and specifically Tibetan Buddhism, and he was sharing some stuff with me, and I just I had a profound experience of uh, having other spiritual teachers showing up in my life, in my life, Native American shamans and, and others. And so, as bizarre as it sounds, the the night that I um, my wife passed away, I was with my teacher, and he was doing a teaching on uh, what's called a poa ceremony in in, um, in Buddhism, which is the ceremony you do when somebody dies. And I was with him when my wife passed away. I didn't know it was going to happen. It was completely unexpected. And as I was driving home from the teaching with him, I got a phone call saying my, my wife had died. And I, I got to the house and met with the sheriff and the coroners and my daughter. My daughter had unfortunately found my, her mother dead. So I had to console her. I had to, to work with the sheriff and the, the coroners and help them, you know, assist in taking her body out of the house. And it was in the middle of the night. I was completely alone and there was nobody to talk to. There was nobody to, to go to. And I'm at a complete loss. I'm in a bit of shock not knowing what to do while I'm holding a text of exactly what I'm supposed to do because I had just gotten the information from my teacher. And in that moment, I, I made an altar and I started performing the ceremony that I literally had just learned how to do. And when I woke up the next morning, I, I had had all of these shaman who had shown up in my life in the previous couple of years. I contacted each of them, asking them to support my wife on her journey. I contacted my teacher and he did a POA ceremony for her. And he arranged for 6,000 monks at his monastery in India on a, every week for the next several months to do a weekly ceremony, a puja ceremony for her. And so for me to be able to be of service to her in that way, to give her this gift of, of a you know, transition out of human form, I felt so incredibly blessed to be able to do that for someone that I loved. 
And um, as she was, you know, going through her transition, I, I, I didn't tell the, the various shaman and my teacher that I contacted all these, these individuals to help her on her journey. But I was getting reports from them on a regular basis of where she was and how she was doing. And there was complete consistency across all of the information I was getting from them. And so my relationship with death, my relationship with grief, because of that experience, profoundly changed. Wow. Well, what, so what, I guess what we're saying here is there's um, there's a lot we don't know and understand, isn't there? Yes. And, and it's, uh, you, you know, like uh, you were talking about organizations being kind of systems and you were brought up on a farm with, with, with systems. You know, there's a... A system there that we we don't fully understand, but there's a, there's a, there's a much bigger picture than our than our grief. Yes. Wow. Well, so for me, it was you know rather than it being a very of course it was tragic, of course it was sad, and I I felt um, this immense sense of of uh, burden for being there for my children and helping them through the loss of their mother, and yet there was a a, a, a sense of uh, of uh, I, I don't even know what to, to to say what the words are to be able to support her um, it just it just changed my life and and how I understood uh, this experience of of this thing we call life. I, I yeah. Well, firstly, I'm um, I'm looking forward to the Hollywood movie on this. On your- <laughs> so. I think it'll be uh, will be a fascinating one. Uh, I'll be first to go to the cinema and uh, and watch it. Um, but I also what I sense, you know, through your experience and your your life experiences, that uh, you must be an incredible guy for people to to work with as a as a, a coach or mentor, facilitator. And I'm kind of you know interested from all of that. You know, what is what is your top advice that you give to leaders? You know, when it when it comes to really, you know, kind of connecting and being conscious and being vulnerable with people, um, it's it's several it's, things. It's several things. So uh, Bob Chapman, the CEO of Barry Wine Miller, talks about going to a, a wedding and watching the um, the bride go down the aisle with her father, and seeing in that moment as he's about to hand his daughter off to her soon-to-be husband, that she is the, the father's precious child. And that as a leader of an organization, each one of us have the responsibility for the care of somebody's precious child. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, and part of what I do with the, the leaders that I work with is helping them understand that they've been entrusted with the lives of so many people who work for them. And they're not just employees. They're not just somebody who's getting a paycheck. And if, if the leader can truly embrace that this is somebody who is someone's precious child, they have so much to give. If you can foster the environment where they feel safe, where they feel valued, where they feel loved, then those kinds of individuals and organizations are places where people will walk through walls. They will do anything and everything they can 
and the organizations become wildly successful on all of the dimensions, not just profitability, but employee engagement, impact on the community, on their suppliers, on their customers. And, and we all know those kinds of organizations. They're emblematic of what's possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you, you're absolutely right. It's not. It's thinking beyond employees, isn't it? It's actually that as well. The uh, You mentioned suppliers there in the supply chain. But if you if you respect and care for those people too, they're going to want to give you so much more than uh, the other clients who don't treat them well. Yes. Um, and and if you can uh, through through who you're being, you can uh, um, you can help them and care for them. Maybe they will also go and go and care for others. I, I think that's a really really amazing um, insight there, uh, and a very very important one for everybody to go away and think about. How do you, as Tom says, how do you um, appreciate that everybody you're dealing with is someone's precious child? Uh, and uh, how do you uh, care for them? Um, because if you do that, we, we all kind of want to be loved, don't we, really? Yes. Um, and we all want to be, we all want to be cared for, and uh, we um, appreciate and respect those people who do it. Tom, I don't know, uh, that feels like an incredible final message, but is there anything else you want to leave us with? Um, I, I, I mean, this isn't coming from a, a place of fear. It's, it's coming from very much a, a place of we have an, an incredible opportunity the, the world is at a very challenging period. And in this decade, I, I, I'm referring to it as the soaring 20s, very similar to the roaring 20s of the, the 1920s. We have an opportunity to, to evolve and elevate human consciousness. And business is driving the agenda of the world. Business leaders have an immense responsibility. And we have an opportunity in this decade to shift the way that the business is 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 impacting the, the planet from a climate perspective, from a, a human perspective. And I I would encourage all business leaders to embrace the responsibility and, and the opportunity they've been given to ensure that the, not only the survival of the human species, but the elevation of the human species. Fantastic, Tom. On that note, I've got to leave it there. It's been an incredible conversation and, and story. Uh, very grateful. Um, really tremendous points for people to take away and and think about. Um, I love that point about um, you know precious someone's a, someone's precious child, but also we have a responsibility, don't we? We know that uh, um, that there is um, you know challenge around the world at the moment um, globally, and we 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 all need to share in the responsibility of that. Tom, been an absolute pleasure. If you want to find out more about Tom. Um, go to eddingtonadvisory.com. That's eddingtonadvisory.com. Lots of information there, and you can connect with Tom as well. If you've got any questions or comments, please send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. And on next week's show, we have a, a guest, a former guest, um, Bob Coulhan, was on the show a couple of years ago. He's an incredible improv expert, um, amazing kind of kind of CV. And we're going to talk about um, about thinking slow to move fast next week. So do join me again with Bob Colhan. And once again, a, a big thank you to Tom Eddington. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
more. Achieve more. 